0: Hello everyone, my name is Thamindri De Silva and I work for Dilma's MJF Charitable Foundation. 15% of all pre-tax profit from the MJF group and Dilma T are channeled into the foundation and we work in 14 locations and centers across Sri Lanka, bringing change into the communities where it is needed the most. The foundation works in education with youth and women with disability and entrepreneurship and helps people make a difference in their lives. The story of their need is what we will be speaking through these conversations. But the, the issues that we speak about are much bigger than the foundation. So what we will do is we will be speaking with staff, other special guests, as well as change makers who work with these communities and highlight some of the socio-economic issues that are faced in Sri Lanka and that are universal to other low and middle-income countries and in development. We speak about theories and approaches, but we'll be talking about real lives and people and what inspired them to be the change makers that they are. Um, With me, I have Kamala Nadan, who is the head of operations for the MJ Foundation. And as with everybody else, he has an interesting story. And his life is also a a part of the plantations. So I thought he would be one of the first people and a good person to start this conversation over a kappa with. So Kamal, welcome to the show. Hi. (laughs) We sit next to each other every day, but I thought uh, this will be a little more formal. Before beginning, uh, my first question to you is, what's in your cup of tea?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, uh, being with Dilma for the last 14 years, Dilma Ceylon green tea is my favorite. In fact, I've got addicted to it and I used to drink about four to five cups a day. It's in my car, it's in my travel bag, I carry it wherever I go and I really enjoy it. So I'm really favourite of the Dilma's Ceylon green tea. That's the best for me.
0: As a constant traveller with Kamal, I can truly attest to that fact. He is a big green tea fan and I too am a fan. So that's something that we really have in common. Uh, Before we get into speaking about the plantation community, Kamal, I'd like to know a little bit about yourself. And uh, would you tell me about Kamal and your family?
1: Well, as you quite rightly said in the introduction, Pramindri, I was born and bred in the plantations. My entire childhood was in the plantations and uh, my schooling was also in the country, in Bandaravilla and then in Kendi. And uh, being with the plantations, being born and bred and enjoyed my livelihood and seeing how the plantations were at that time, Mainly uh, how you know the the staff and um, the workers, the executives were there. I had a keen interest of joining the plantations, and I, in fact, we applied and after my schooling, we applied and we got into. Uh, the, we were taken in as train. We applied for trainee assistant managers, and then we were taken in. But unfortunately, at that time, we were told that there are no vacancies for training managers, and four of us were put into four plantation regions in the social development divisions as trainees. And uh, yeah, it was Badula, it was Candy, Hatton and Norelia. And uh, four of us were there for about three months when my other three colleagues got the opportunity to get back into the plantation per se. Whereas in my case, my director was uh, fairly... uh, He was very, very uh, interested in what I was doing in the social development division and he retained me in the social development division itself rather than sending me into the States. And there I began my career to work with the plantation communities, which over time, I think that was a blessing in disguise that I got this change to work with the communities, not directly as an executive in the plantation, but to work with the plantation communities. And I really enjoy that. And that has been a passion throughout for the last I mean four decades or four and a half decades mm-hmm. and in part my family I have uh, it's a small family and it was a very um, hard time to get through in the, in the beginning with uh, so many health conditions and things and we have a we had a daughter and that was only a daughter a precious daughter and now of course I'm a we are a very very happy bunch of grandparents to a nice little granddaughter so that's the keeps me going when I get home so that's the family and uh, that's it.
0: Are there any members of your family who are part of the plantation industry or
1: Yes, I mean, uh, my uncles were in the plantations and one of my cousin who was uh, one of the managers in Kalani Valley Plantation until recently met with a health condition and he had to give up his job and uh, mm. uh, apart from that, uh, we, have, we were, you know, my uncles and grandparents were uh, proprietary planters in Gampola and then of course uh, many of my uncles were in the plantations and uh, lastly this is my cousin who was in, with Kalani Valley Plantations, yeah.
0: So for those who know nothing about the plantations, and I confess it's, it, it's something that is new to me as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the plantation community, how they got to Sri Lanka and why they were brought over and things like that? A little bit of history.
1: Yeah, as we all know, I mean, uh, when tea or coffee started in, uh, in Sri Lanka and then followed it by tea, There was a need to get bring in um, uh, for the workers to work on those estates, mainly with uh, difficult terrains, difficult climatic conditions where the uh, local villagers in Sri Lanka were not willing to come into that sort of work. So obviously they were looking at options and that gave an opportunity for them to get people from India, South India in particular, Kerala and Tamil Nadu. And uh, thereby that was the first uh, sort of bunch of people who came to work on the plantations and... uh, Then they grew as they, in fact, they were called as uh, citizens of Indian origin working in the plantations and then they stayed on and uh, and that's how uh, the plantation community mostly predominantly tamil community in the plantations because they came from south india or kerala when they started the started the plantations or tea plantations in sri lanka and then ceylon and then they remained on their stage of course some of them went back to india but most of them remained and gradually the government of sri lanka provided them with citizenship and now they're part and parcel of the sri lankan community so uh only thing uh the difference between a normal Indian plantation worker and a Ceylon plantation worker is in India once they retire from the estate, they go back to their villages or their communities. Whereas in Sri Lanka unfortunately they don't have another place to go. Even after retirement they retain on the on the estate itself with their children or grandchildren and that's a painful dilemma for these plantation workers in Sri Lanka. They don't have a home of their own other than the plantation although they are they are employees of the estates.
0: And so, what usually happens to them when they retire? Um, what do they do, or what, what are the?
1: Well, it's very unfortunate in Sri Lanka when they retire. They remain on the estates as uh, they can't work on the estate unless some some estates provide them some casual employment. Otherwise, they stay on with their with their children or the grandchildren, mm-hmm. doing uh, you know that's how they spend their retired life in Sri Lanka because they don't have another home to go back. Mm-hmm. So, and that is one reason why the overcrowding of um, you know housing in in the estates in Sri Lanka because. You know, families grow and live in the same sort of houses that are provided for a single family. Mm. So that's the issue that, and that's that's a major concern where the government, the plantation companies, some NGOs are trying to address. But it's a never-ending, ending uh, ending issue there in in the plantations.
0: Mm. So something that I read is that um, the rate of the rate of the housing construction is very slow in the plantation industry and that there have only been about 319,000 houses built where and at the rate they're going it'll take another 175 years to make sure there's housing for everybody what are your thoughts on that and how have you uh, read understood and you know being part of the plantation community approach that
1: yeah i mean uh, being with the sector for the last four decades and having uh, started off with the social development division and thereafter with the plantation human development trust which was uh, virtually the main uh, organization to provide housing and common amenities you know when the privatization took place in sri lanka in 1992 out of about one million workers of one million uh, people on the estates only about two hundred fifty thousand had proper houses and that too very small quantity were livable houses others were all you know you know it had to be upgraded or renovated or something like that and then the issue of housing was so huge that a government by itself or the company by itself or an NGO by itself couldn't have made that um, you know happen so initially they started off with a with a self-help housing scheme where people were given a loan and a grant and they were to build their own houses but it was a painful thing uh, painful slow process because the Workers has to work on the estate and then in the evening or when there's no work they have to build their houses. So it was a very, very long process and it was not a success. And then they went into other options of building houses for them. But I from my perspective, what I feel is there's a big difference between a villager, a normal villager's from the you know surrounding areas of the states and the estate worker. Because for a villager their priority is a house of their own. You give them a block of land. They will collect bits and pieces of bricks, wood, some uh, sink sheets and eventually build at least a one room house for them with a toilet or something like that. But for the plantation worker, that interest in the house of their own never is there in them because they were provided with everything and they continue to be dependent on the plantation management they didn't have that ambition to have their house of their even they were provided with under the housing scheme they were provided with a with a block of uh, 7 perch land which is quite free of charge and they were given a, a loan and a grant and they were asked to build on that but they never had that intention and that ambition to build them they were they were waiting for someone to build for them and that is what has caused the prolonged delay in fulfilling this housing requirement because every year the need increases and every year uh, the built-up houses decreases, so it, so it's unmatchable sort of thing, and that's why even the privatized companies are not in a position to fulfill this requirement. Because if you look at currently, if you require, they need about two hundred and fifty thousand, uh, at least about two hundred thousand houses. It's a huge cost, and nothing, no, 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 no government or not single entity cannot manage that. So unless, like in the in the in the village scheme, the people also get interested, commit themselves to build their own houses with some assistance provided by any organization. This housing problem is, will be staying on the estate for a long, long time. We, I don't think it can be fulfilled in the next, even in the next decade or so. Unless there's a very, very ambitious... Program which is expedited and there's some funding for that and there's timeline given then of course then we can otherwise every government has failed to address these uh, housing issues on their estates and the main factor is the mindset of the plantation workers I think they also should come forward and then make that happen they have must have show some keenness to get their houses built on their estates and the other thing is the land the land is owned by the government whereas for the villager villager owns this land or is given that land but in the plantation scheme the land is owned by the government so there should be a mechanism where the land ownership should be you know given to the plantation workers in some form and then identify craft out uh, housing areas within the plantation like villages so that they have some village concept in the plantation otherwise you know then those are the things I think at the moment there is some discussion around that but how and when it will become a reality is a question for everyone
0: you talked a little bit about the mindset of the plantation workers and also their ambition. I don't want this to be sort of like a a false uh, sort of view uh, and also to skew it in any way, because part of this conversation is we're trying to be as neutral as possible. Um, just because Dilma owns tea plantations, for example, we don't want to be on the side of the plantation companies. We really want to understand what the issue is. So part of this ambition or part of this mindset, what do you think are some of the, the root causes for something like that, for the for the mindset?
1: Well, one is they have been, for a long, long time, they have been a dependent for everything. You know, they have been provided with A to Z of their needs on the plantation and they have been so happy to being a dependent. I think they, uh, are, of course, in the recent past, we have ch- seen the changes. People are very ambitious. They, are, they want their, you know, son, children to be well-educated. They don't want to be on their estates anymore, working on their estates. So they have they have changed. But... They had to also realize that they have other options to go with. You know, they, you know, um, uh, they had to move away from this dependent mindset. They had to take ownership of their own issues. They had to come up with uh, solutions to their own issues. And good example is, uh, when the housing program started after the privatization, they, they formed what you call the estate workhouse in cooperative society, which was meant to address workers' issues and find solutions to the workers' issues. It was meant for them and because of their literacy levels were a bit low than the normal village or the urban sector uh, initially they said that the EW the estate work housing cooperative the ex-co or the president should be the estate manager and other other posts can be held by the workers and until they come to a position where they can manage their own societies the estate manager was to be the head of the society but unfortunately now it's about uh, three decades after privatizations we don't see even a single estate workhouse in society which is headed by a plantation worker i think there's potential in them but they're not given that opportunity no one has tried it out the the estate management still wants to have that the head of the society with them but i think people should have by now tried out at least certain societies should have given over to the plantation communities to run those societies i think some of them maybe so those societies Maybe have been Better managed And most of the Some of the issues May have been Better addressed Because they have The mechanism To work on it So those are the things We, we have been Depriving them of Giving them that opportunity And they also on the, on the hand Very happily Been dependent On the management So that has to change There are potential uh, Plantation communities Which can take Ownership of their own issues And address those issues Better If that uh, If that opportunity Is given to them So I think In the current context People who are working On their estate Should try that model to see whether there's a change, to work with the communities direct and you know, make them stronger, empowered. I don't think none of the uh, programs that have gone into their states in the past, be it government, be it INGOs, be it the plantation trust, None of them have addressed in empowering the plantation workers. They have been still in that same sort of uh, a mindset of being a estate worker and nothing beyond that. Mm. They get paid for the work and nothing beyond that. So I think that should change. And I think time is opportune for people who are now coming into the plantation sector for addressing these issues to make this change in the plantation communities.
0: Mm. Something you spoke about is uh, literacy levels. Now, in any sort of document or any sort of journal that you get you see almost a 30 40% difference. Sri Lanka has a 92 to 95% level of literacy and in the plantations you're seeing almost 66% to 70%. That's a huge difference for a country as small as Sri Lanka and you're looking at about 1 to 2 million plantation workers who are living on the estates and who are you know who are part of the wider community that have now moved away from the estates. Um, what are some key challenges that you've seen in terms of the, the issues with literacy and well, how do you increase It's that?
1: very unfortunate that uh, the plantation education was at till about the mid 70s or early 80s was about 30 to 40 years behind the national education sector because the plantation schools were not a part of the government school system. It was a plantation school and their resources, their facilities were all had that gap. It was not considered as a part of the government school. So that, mm. that gap in the system itself has contributed immensely to the literacy levels being low in the plantation sector. But unfortunately, after the after 80s, entire schools are in, under the government ministry. Either it's a provincial school or a central government school. And... Uh, Thereafter, there have been uh, instances where there have been uh, provincial ministers of plantation, plantation schools who address the issues of plantation in the in their provinces. And gradually things have improved. And in the recent past, I think, we have seen ourselves the emergence of uh, opportunities by uh, children of plantation workers getting into universities in numbers, which was not there about uh, a decade or uh, two decades ago. But now every year we see so many children of tea pluckers and rubber tappers coming into the universities and proving themselves their capabilities. And we are proud to say that even from our plantations, we have children of uh, plantation workers who are now doctors in the government sector, who are lawyers, who are... Chefs. uh, Chefs. Chefs. Yeah. why not chefs yeah. who are who are who are judges district judges district mm-hmm. court judges many teachers many many you know so there are there. i mean now it has changed and but still there are a lot of improvements to to be addressed in the uh, in the plantation education system because the facilities there are not uh, we don't have a university for, for in the plantation sector. It, uh, of course, they are now working on it. So th- those things are emerging, and we we hear now they are definitely get setting up a plant uh, a university in either Newer area or in Badula exclusively for the plantation workers who work, are coming out uh, from the plantation. Mm-hmm. So those are the changes that we have seen in the recent past. But this the the literacy rate problem was mainly because of the issue we had in the system itself.
0: And uh, how do you how would you now you've been working with the, with it for the last 4 decades how will you or how would what would you recommend to somebody who is looking at changing the levels of literacy changing the way education is approached because every plantation worker i've ever met wants their child to study and do well so but the question is how do you really make sure that 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 trickles down and that comes into fact versus just being sort of like a pipe dream for them
1: i think the basics should change if you look at the plantation uh, areas the predominantly plantation areas of uh, Nooralia, Hatton and Badulla. Opportunities for children to do their advanced level in science and, um, you know, uh, science or mathematics is very rare. Either they had come to uh, Kandy or Colombo or main towns like Hatton and uh, very few schools give that opportunity. So uh, most of their End up in O level, uh, finish O level, and they go to a uh, to follow their advanced level. They have to travel about 20, sometimes 20-25 kilometers to a s- central school in the main town in the plantation area. Whereas in the rural sector, you know there are many schools I- within the villages and small towns which provides for advanced level in all streams. So those are the things that has to be addressed. from the ba- the basics should be addressed, and that's how we can improve ch- more children going into better schooling and at least a good school. Uh, and uh, and follow ...following what they really want to do. Most of them want to uh, follow uh, science and maths but the opportunities are very few and that's why they end up in arts and go into the teachers training schools and they become teachers. Whereas few of them and because of the commitment of their parents they go to the mainstream schools in the one of the main towns in the plantation areas and then they get through in science or maths and then they end up as uh, you know what, what whatever you know things that they do. So... Yes, and that is a thing that the plantation companies cannot do. It's a garment thing that they have addressed it in a broad base that they, they have been, a, they, these people have been deprived for years. Even now they are not looked at it properly. So I think the government should also have a very focused attention to improve and, you know, bridge this gap faster than what it was before.
0: So the majority language in Sri Lanka is Sinhalese, and a lot of the plantation workers speak Tamil. Is that one of the, the barriers you think? Because the children of the you know, a lot of the, the plantations are integrated with villagers. Is is this language issue one of the one of the problems that they're facing?
1: I don't think it's a language problem. If you look at a plantation worker in the upcountry, they are well versed with the single language because they are compelled to learn the single language. And similarly in the estates in the lower country, or uh, the, the even the predominantly Tamil uh, people are more more into singular, and their children are schooling in singular schools because mm-hmm. they don't have opportunities for Tamil schools in those areas. Mm-hmm. But they are uh, by by force they are compared to learn the language, and they learn it, and they f- go into the singular singular schools. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think language is an issue, but I think basic where there is need for a Tamil medium better schools that has to come up in the upcountry areas. That mm-hmm. that's a need. That that's a must because. I don't think in our country there will be most children would prefer to learn in their own language. Okay. Right. They I don't, unlike in the southern uh, southern part of the country. So we we'll have to make provision to for those children. We will make uh, make uh, op- opportunities for them to go into that their own schools in that area where they can learn in Tamil up to advanced level.
0: So we've talked a little bit about literacy. Um, another thing that I think is, is very key and cool is there are a number of social issues around around the plantations. Uh, alcoholism is probably the leading cause So wh- what are your thoughts on it? I mean, you would have experienced it over your time Working with the Plantation Trust, the Human Development Trust As well as, you know, your experience over the, uh, your, your visits um, What do you see as one of the key causes for this? And also, is there a way out? Or is that just something that is inherent now in plantation communities?
1: I think now, they are, now at, at current, people are realizing the need to move away from uh, alcohol and alcoholism. But uh, I think this was created by maybe people who wanted to create them. It may be the politician, it may be the businessman who s- foresaw so much of uh, potential in uh, providing um, uh, liquor shops in the plantation areas because they know after hard day's work, they'll enjoy uh, something, some alcoholic uh, beverage. And on the other hand, politicians also had the opportunity of putting up so many restaurants in the plantation areas as part and parcel of their game plan. And virtually, if you look at the plantation towns, a small town of Thalavakale, which may be about one kilometer in length, uh, you may find about 15 uh, liquor shops in that town. Mm. And these are all either politicians or trade unionists or have some linkage to this. And virtually, uh, but they really, uh, it's benefiting those people because uh, I, I've told and I've seen this I've assessed this um, uh, on a payday on a state on a plantation region virtually if you pay in the morning if you pay in the afternoon it may be about you know each estate will pay about 2 million to 2-3 million so 10 estates you get about 30 million rupees paid to the workers on a particular day 10th of every month the following day about 75 to 80% of that is in the bank accounts of these restaurant owners or the liquor shop owners because the entire money goes back to those shops So this was reality, but now it's changing. People have been educated. They are moving out of alcoholism. The women workers have come out very strongly against their husbands and they have now, they receive their salaries uh, to their hands. So their money is safeguarded. Mm. So children have put pressure on the parents because of education and other opportunities they have. So gradually, I think people are learning. And of course, the inputs made by the plantation trust or NGOs in uh, providing some um, um, uh, awareness and training programs and house on household ca- cash management and savings which is I don't think we have fulfilled that but there's an absolute need to reintroduce these programs in, in a very aggressively, especially household cash management and savings. and the other thing why these mismanaged fund is they try to sort of replicate what they see in the plantation sector used by the estate manager or a staff executive, with TVs and mobile phones and the luxuries, and they also bring them into their household with the you know with the little salary they get. So, they are, if you look at a family of five who are working on the estate, they get a reasonable salary to the hand, about sixty to seventy thousand. But they spend on unnecessary things. They spend on alcohol, unnecessary luxuries. So, these are the things that we'll we'll have to address. And I think now people are realizing this and trying to address these issues, like mm. bring about a better a better sort of uh, culture in them in managing their uh, funds mm. and the other thing is uh, again it, it has a link to the trade unions and politicians the family planning of how do they plan their families if you look at I have undergone severe pressure when I was in the trust when we were doing uh, health programs on the estates and we, when we were doing family spacing family education family planning I was accused of uh, you know trying to reduce the plantation communities the numbers mm. by doing that and that was by my our own trade unions and I had, we had to fight for it if you look at any politician in the country, they may not have more than two children and they are well off. But they want their people to have four children, five children, which they cannot manage. And this is what we were trying to do at that time. Mm-hmm. I hope that's still continuing. And now, of course, uh, <coughs> the family size of the plantation community is very, very basically two or three, not more than that. But there were families which had six children, seven children you know, in, a, in a family and with the salary that they get where well, they could manage and no one no one wanted to do anything about it when we do do something good, there was a lot of pressure on us mm-hmm. as to why we are trying to reduce the uh, numbers in the plantation families. So these are all interconnected there someone is gaining by you know keeping them in these levers.
0: How now? coming full circle we've talked about literacy we've talked about alcoholism uh, something you talked about is is alcoholism just a male problem don't you have a lot of women who are also of course
1: a- absolutely There yeah. is also, there are a lot of women who also are into alcohol right. I mean, that's, that's a part and part of a family life in the plantations right. until very recently I hope it's changing and will change for the good of it because mm-hmm. With these uh, opportunities for better education and children's pressure, I think the the mothers have taken the ownership of you know moving away from this, and there have been many instances where they have protested against new uh, liquor restaurants coming in up in the areas, mm-hmm. and they wanted that removed. So there's a lot of pressure, and that that's a good sign. I mean, they're all. It, it has it has been an issue for both men and women, but I think it's the trend is changing with mm. with the new new uh, opportunities they have in the plantations, especially education and you know job opportunities outside the education. Mm. Children are thinking differently; they don't want to get back to the plantations. So I think there's the, the, the next generation. I think we can see an improvement coupled with the inputs that comes from the government and the people who are managing or handling estates for the betterment of the communities.
0: Will you speak a little bit about the role of trade unions? You've brought that up several times uh, because the trade unions are for the people exactly. and every, every plantation worker is required to play, be part of a union and pay their dues. What role does the union do the unions play at this point in time?
1: Well, from my perspective, I think it's for their own survival and most of the trade unions are now affiliated to some political party of their own or something else. So it's a big, big, uh, you know, ball game there where they get a huge mu- amount of money every month as membership fee from the plantation workers. And uh, I don't think any trade union would have built even a latrine for a plantation community. They say that the funds are required for them to manage their um, labor tribunal cases or issues that comes up. Um, but, but I don't think they have done anything for improving the living conditions or lifestyles or even an education scholarship for that matter. Nothing has been provided by the trade unions up to now, as far as I know, In uh, when you compare the amount of funds they get. So, on the other hand, we have been preaching, when even in the trust, we have been preaching the estate managers and estate executives. Y'all should take the that they should take the you know ownership of addressing the needs of the people. They should not go to the trade union. They you should be able to listen to them and address. You should be the first person of contact for the plantation workers if there are any issues, so that there's no need for them to go to the trade union. That culture should come in. The estate management should be the first point of contact to at least to listen to them and within their means try to solve their problems. But unfortunately due to financial resources limitations and other things the state management is also not in a position to do that immediately and therefore they are compelled to go to the trade unions and the trade unions therefore are compelled to take this uh, membership fee every month and and uh, it's for themselves they ma- every every trade union have their offices in all the plantation towns not districts all towns so they manage a manager, small office there their travel their communication so i think these money is spent mostly on those things and nothing given back to the plantation workers even for a trade union to have set up a scholarship fund would have been a you know it it was a good gesture by them but i don't think they're doing that
0: now we've talked about trade unions we've talked about alcohol i mean there are other things that affect the plantation workers what would you look at in terms of the way forward for the people of the plantations, uh, we've, uh, particularly with regard to housing, with regard to their futures, with regard to their sort of, their part of being part of the fabric of Sri Lanka. What is your pipe dream, or what is your 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 real dream for the people of the plantations? What would you like to see?
1: I think primarily that we have to ensure the dignity of labour. I mean. Uh, They should be like any other for a a company. They should uh, look at the people who work on the estates, like how they look at the people who work in their offices, either on the estates or in their head offices in Kandy or Kalambu. There should not be a differentiation between an office worker and a estate worker. That should be the same. They should be provided with uh, basic working needs like, uh, you know, footwear, hat and... Um, you know better working conditions are there but uh, amenities like you know like most states have now introduced a very light uh, plucking basket they don't carry the weight on their head but it's Mm. around their uh, forehead and hip so those things footwear is another thing and then uh, you know provide them with training provide them with training in whatever, whatever they do they should be every estate uh, executive should be able to uh, call a person by his name he saw her name they should know them by personally so that uh, and uh, so that they also respect them by and they, uh, so that that's the other thing that we can uh, think and then you know rather than just calling them a plucker or a tapper give them some some designation um, harvester or a production assistant or a, a rubber harvest or something in, in Tamil, in Singhala, in India, you know, so that. And the other thing, now that most of the estates are managed by RPCs or private companies, there should be some flexibility for the companies to decide whether they can pay what they think is realistic for their workers based on what they get as income from the estates. Because of this collective agreement of 23 companies together, even if one or two companies are in a position to Uh, pay a decent uh, salary and better facilities. Because of the collective and when there are poorly performing companies can't afford, there's a problem because when you give that to one estate in Noralia, one group of estates get better facilities they're joining a group of estates managed by another company they don't get it so there we are creating a tension between those two communities so that that, that is the issue we have and that is why this collective agreement is is being you know held on to because uh, we can't so I, I don't know how it can be changed but there should be some change so that uh, every company can decide on what they can do and the others should sort of improve their performance and try to achieve that otherwise they are, they are falling back so uh A lot of thinking and there are other models that are coming up like, um, you know, um, um, giving them certain plot of lands to, uh, you know, harvest their tea. And so there are a lot of models that are coming up. So basically, I think we should definitely improve the dignity of their labor, should give them opportunities. They should be treated as part and parcel of the entire organization. And... If I don't know how it can become a reality, if they can be uh, you know on a monthly salary, they have some same scheme as a monthly salary scheme rather than going into the daily pay, ba- daily wage scheme, which they get paid twice a month. So these are things that definitely uh, at least retain and uh, retain the current workers on the estate and make them content, and they might even improve their performance of them. Mm. Some of the estates RPs are doing that, like uh, they evaluate their performance, they recognize their performance, they give them rewards for their performance, but not all of them are doing that. So, these are things that definitely will, uh, and of course, the common amenities has to be addressed and that cannot be addressed by a single entity, as I said before. Yeah. Government has to make a, a big investment on them, either through donor funds or some form of thing, to improve this housing and common amenities of, for the estate workers. And that will make things much more happier for them, contented workforce, and Obviously, the performance also will improve.
0: So, dignity of labor is your primary thing, and then also looking at the wage schemes and way the ways they're they're paid and recognized. Okay. Uh, is there anything else that you think we need to be doing differently when we are looking at the entire plantation community?
1: Yeah, the other thing, what I mean, from our perspective, both of us working in the same organization, doing something for the plantations, whether uh, we should look at also providing avenues for them to have some other income within their states Mm -hmm. you know uh, some income generating projects like you know give them opportunities for dairy or uh, horticulture organic farming which will have a win-win situation for the plantation Mm -hmm. uh, for the management as well as the families as well so those are things that can come in and since we have been doing that in outside the plantation areas i think time is right for us to also introduce that into the plantations at the moment
0: Kamal, thank you very much. That was a fun few few minutes. It was good. And thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, We've had one kind of perspective on the plantations. I don't think we're done yet, so we might see Kamal again. But for the next time, please join us when we speak about cerebral palsy in Sri Lanka. It's one of the leading uh, developmental disorders globally, as well as one of the highest undiagnosed uh, issues when it comes to children, particularly children in Sri Lanka.